Hi, this is Jason, lead pastor at Casper Alliance Church. Thanks for stopping by our weekly teaching podcast. This is week seven of our summer series, working through the Psalm of Ascent. That's Psalm 120 through 134. We talked about particular topics. This week, uh, we're talking about joy. If you'd like to know more about Casper Alliance Church, you can check us out at casperchurch.com. You can check us out at facebook.com forward slash Casper Alliance Church. Or you can go to your app store on your phone or your iPad or tablet. Search for Casper Alliance Church. Look for the double C's and download the app and you can be connected with us right away. Hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening. So I'm ready to roll. All right, here we go. So we're in this series uh, working through the Psalm of Ascent. Psalm 120 through 134. And today's Psalm 126. And we've talked about the, um, actually, I have one book left if you want it. This has kind of been the framework. It's called The Long Obedience in the Same Direction. It's a, uh, a book on discipleship written by Eugene Peterson. And it has uh, a series of topics uh, which, which he kind of formulated around these psalms that we're going through. This morning, Psalm 126. And the theme this morning is joy. We're going to talk about joy. Uh, so where we've gone so far, we've been through, this is like the seventh week, I think, which I, um, and We've gone through six topics. The first topic was, I'm just going to recap it really fast for you. I think I can remember it all. The first topic was repentance. And that the idea behind repentance is you need to be so disgusted with where you are in a sin space and just an absence from God that you turn and run away from that space. Whatever that is. Whatever that garbage is that's kind of clinging to you, that's holding you down, you need to turn and run the other direction. It's, and, and, and the idea of just being disgusted by the sin, it's really the, the concept. You need, to, you need to hate that sin in your life and move the other, and repent. Turn and go the other direction. Then we talked about providence. And the big theme there is that God is for you. God's for His people. He loves His people. He's for them. He wants, He has a wonderful plan for your life, as Billy Graham used to say. God is for you. If you love Jesus, he's for you. Does that mean everything's going to be perfect? No. But there's this relationship that God's people have with the Lord that says, if he's for me, I'm going to continue to pilgrim and walk towards him. And I trust that he's involved. I trust that, that he loves me and is going to care for me. And it might not always look the way I want it to look or hope it looks, but he's for me. Then we talked about worship. And worship, the big concept there is you need to decide to worship. Worship is choice. It's a desire to say, I'm going to praise and worship God the Father. I'm going to have awe of Him. I'm going to, to enter into to worship. And, and I talked about our version of worship right now, and I'm willing to hear recommendations of singing. We sing, but that's not the only way in which we worship. But here in the 21st century church, specifically our expression of church, how we, what we call worship is singing. But there's ways that that's going to evolve over the years or coming years, even in the coming months. I think we'll worship differently and we'll try to worship differently and find ways for us to decide to worship. Then we talked about service. That's week four, right? I feel like I'm missing one. No, I got it. Service. And service has everything to do with your relationship with the Lord, to look up to God and who you actually serve. Is, is God your king? Are you subject to him as master? And when you put it in that perspective, 
When you put it in that perspective, the idea is to look up to him, and then your activity in the kingdom, your activity as a follower of God, is service. And you're doing it not because of obligation or duty, or because some sort of like, hey, this guy told me I need to do it. You're doing it because the master has called you into relationship, into partnership, and you're motivated to serve him, and as a result, he puts you into work in the kingdom. And then we talked about, the next week was uh, help. And the idea there is not only is God for us, he's with us. So ask for help. I need help. And that's about surrender. I have to surrender and say, Lord, will you help me? Will you help me get out of this struggle? Lord, will you help me uh, work through this issue? Lord, will you, will you help me? Will you walk with me? And that's a promise that God has. Not, as he, not only is he for you as his child, but he is with you as you walk. That's an, exciting, um, that's an exciting way to journey towards Jesus, is to know that he's with you. And then last week, our head elder Mark, he talked on security. Mark, you want to say what your big idea was from last week? I think everybody remembers I'm not going to yell. But, that, <laughs> but God, is, God is a protector. He is going to, to cover you. He's going to um, keep you safe. Now, that doesn't always feel true. Security sometimes is a state of mind. Do I feel safe? And people of God, people of faith, people who are walking towards the Lord have this, this like unnatural courage and they feel safety. All right. This morning, we're going to talk about joy. Psalm 126. Let me read it to you and then I'll get into it a little bit and it'll be exciting. It'll be joyful. Well, I'll enjoy it. I don't know if that's even true. But. When the Lord brought us back, his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream, the psalmist says. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. And the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. Father, I pray that it's only your words that are heard this morning, that anything uh, that's a distraction from me will be forgotten, and it will only be what your people need to hear. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, so as some of you may have seen, now, I, frankly, I've said this publicly, I hate social media, I hate Facebook, uh, I, think it's, I think it's the devil. I think, I'm, I'm just kidding. I was wondering if anybody's listening. People are like, I kind of am a TikTok fan right now. So, and I know people are like, whoa, 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 TikTok. But listen, there's a lot of funny people out there. And I, I try to steal from them, so I pretend like I'm creative and funny up here. But, I, but if you were to scour social media right now, specifically looking at the Faisal family, you would notice if you were into that sort of thing, if you're not, I don't care, but I'm telling you this story. We have a puppy. We've added a new family member. Her name is Wilma. Wilma is a standard poodle, and she is a ball of joy. Legitimately a ball of joy. When anybody comes to the house, she wags her tail and she pees. <laughs> and I would, I would, I wonder how many of you, when you're filled with joy, just naturally pee. In fact, while, we, while you guys were all worshiping and you're singing those songs, 
I, I was like, I was like going, I had this like mental image of like, you're a good, good father, you, I am who you say I am, and we're like running to Jesus like puppies and just peeing. And like, that's like, that's, sorry Hannah, as you put that beautiful worship set together, I was thinking, does this inspire people to, to urinate in front of their Lord? Because that's what puppies do. When they're so excited, they, ha- they can't control it. They just can't control it. They just like, boop, it's gone. But it's this combination, and this is, I think, the I think we're all kind of Jesus-following puppies. I, that's that's kind of who we are because we run at God so fast, so hard, tail wagging, tail wagging, tail, and, and we're like, "Yes, come here, Wilma. Oh, you're so cute." And then Wilma pees all over, and we're like, "Bad girl." That's the relationship I think we all kind of have with God. Sometimes we're so excited, and we're like running to Him, running to Him, and we trip and fall. It's not like the Lord's going, bad, bad Hannah. No, the Lord's going, oh, I want to pick you up and cuddle you, and I'm so sorry that you peed all over the floor. He's, the, the Lord is, but us as humans, we're like, bad dog. But I think we feel that as followers of Jesus sometimes when we trip and fall. We feel like we screwed up. We've been like, oh, I failed again. Bad, and you say your name, bad Jason. I tripped and fell, and the Lord doesn't love me anymore. The best thing about puppies is they can be bad one second and amazing the next, and they forgot that they were bad. If they didn't forget they were bad, they wouldn't pee and poop on the carpet all the time. Because every time they get scolded, they would remember that. And they don't. Wilma doesn't. In fact, I think Wilma's more like a follower of Jesus than we think in our household because Wilma will go outside and she'll wander around in the yard and pretend like she's going to the bathroom. No joke. She squats and pretends to get the good girl. Good girl, Wilma. Good girl, Wilma. Then Wilma comes running inside, super cute, flopping around, doesn't have control of her. It's like a toddler falling all over the place, and then immediately squats and pees inside the house and gets the bad girl. She's... She's chasing praise, is what she's doing. And when you chase praise, you actually don't experience joy. When you chase praise, you're waiting for the next pat on the back or the swat on the butt. And that's not what joy is. Joy is something that's deeper. It's rooted deeper inside of the follower, the pilgrim. Joy is, the thing, joy is the thing that we have a hard time explaining. We can give some anecdotal evidence, and even the scriptures tell us right here that, that what the Lord has done, it's a remembrance of what the Lord has done for us. It's amazing, and, and the psalmist says, what joy that is. We can see in verse 2 of this psalm that it says, we were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. So there's some anecdotal kind of pieces of what joy could look like. But really, I do think God's people, and maybe I should say me, I'm chasing after the good boy, Jason. Good boy, Jason. You did a great job. You did a good job. I don't have to clean up after your mess. The interesting thing about Jesus is he cleaned up our mess with joy. Not once since we've had Wilma in our house have we been like, I'm so happy to clean up after this stained carpet. I just haven't had that experience. 
I've been annoyed, frustrated, disappointed even. And I'm like, listen, you're 10 weeks old. How come you cannot figure out how to not go to the bathroom in the house? I've created an expectation for her. But Jesus cleaned up our mess, filled with joy. Scripture said, with joy set before him, he went to the cross. With joy set before Jesus Christ, he went to the cross. He wasn't disappointed. Maybe a little pained. Maybe a little, like, tired. Maybe, maybe weak in the knees a little bit. Maybe, maybe a little bloodied and battered. Maybe beaten and bruised. Maybe not even looking like the Jesus that we think he should look like. But he had this thing inside of him. Parentheses. Joy! He had joy that pushed him and moved him in a way to where he did the unthinkable. He did the, the amazing. He did the thing that we can't figure out why he did, and we sometimes question that. And here's the issue there. A lot of times the reason joy is lost on the Christian community is because we forget this one thing, the joy of our salvation. We just march through church and we do church and we show up at church and we do all these activities and we sing the songs and we pass the, the plate and we read the scriptures and we pray the prayers and we do all this stuff all while forgetting the joy of our salvation. The joy of our salvation should be a seed that grows and grows and grows over time to produce in us a joy that does not make sense to the world around us. The joy of salvation, I think, is one of the very first things that we lose as followers of Christ. And I, that's why at this church, I, I feel like I've committed to it, and I've committed to this a long time, even before here, that I'm going to talk about the good news every Sunday morning. Whether you've been a Christian for 50 years or five seconds, you will hear the good news of Jesus Christ, that he went to the cross for your sin. He died for you so that you could have life, so you could live eternally with him, so you could have relationships, so you could be brought into the kingdom, so you could be a citizen of heaven. That should never get old for God's people. In fact, that's why these psalms exist. It's a reminder of journeying with God towards Jerusalem, towards the house of Zion, to where God's presence is. And we're all continually on this journey, if you love Jesus. We're, we're moving our way towards the house of Zion. Someday it's going to happen. where the, the, It will come down from the heavens, and we're going to talk about that this fall. I've spent a lot of time in Revelation, and we're doing Revelation this fall, and I'm kind of excited about it. But the big, the big news there is Jerusalem comes down and there's a new Jerusalem where God's people reside and worship and live in joy and laughter. Well, we're on that journey right now. We're pilgrims towards that place. And when we forget the joy of our salvation, we become curmudgeons in Christ. Anybody met like a really angry Christian? You've all met me. I'm a grumpy Jesus follower. You give me eight minutes and I can tell you everything that's wrong with the current situation that we're in right now. You give me eight more minutes and I can complain about everybody else's situation. You give me ten more minutes and I can complain about things that haven't even happened yet because I'm a grumpy Jesus follower. Bad Jason. Bad Jason. Looking for praise. I want to be pet. The other day, this is, I thought of this, I was going to say it earlier, I forgot. The other day, Adrian, my wife, says, for you visitors, I know there's new people here, for, Adrian says, I wish everyone could be greeted the way you greet me. 
Because when she walks in the door, the dogs run to her. When I walk in the door, they're like, eh, oh, no. <laughs> it, it, that's a true kind of experience in our house. They're like, who's here, who's here, who's here? Oh. It's, but when, when Adrienne comes in the house, it's like, <laughs> and, and colics, and like, biting the calf, and, and, and excitement, and just all kinds of like, I'm so, and Adrienne said, I wish everyone would greet me when I walk. Could you imagine Caleb and Carter running up to her and just licking her legs when she walked into the house? That'd be the best. I encourage you, boys. <laughs> I want to see that happen. We'll get that on video, and we'll put that out there. Yeah, we'll put that on the social media. I'm going to put it on TikTok. That's probably the more appropriate place for it. All right. But there's this thing that happens in the Christian where we lose the joy of our salvation. I don't, I'm not saying, like, really lose it, but we forget about it. Some of you were, became Christians 40 years ago, 50 years ago. It's just kind of you're on this path doing this thing. And you need to be reminded the joy of your salvation. And that's where, again, that seed begins to grow in you that produces a harvest inside of you that, that comes out as joy. A couple more joys that we forget about. I found this great, um, I stole these points, by the way. I haven't really done that in a while, but there's three points I stole from a, a theologian. And he's losing these joys. Uh, his last name's Boyce, a Baptist guy. Some of you guys be stressed by that. Forget it. You're fine. I'm your pastor. I grew up Baptist. Forget it. Sometimes we lose the joy of spiritual victory. We don't celebrate spiritual victory. Um, I've told the story a lot, probably. I, you're going to have to hear it again. It's quick. But in high school, I was kind of a potty mouth. Like, you know, I, could, I was a sailor. Like, like, my dad was in the Navy, so I figured, like, come, it's part of my DNA. I'm a sailor. Uh, I remember distinctly as a little kid swearing while I was walking home, and my mom was parked, waiting to pick me up, and she heard me. And I've had my mouth washed out with soap a handful of times. I'm still alive, so children, if you get your mouth washed out with soap, I don't know if that's even a thing anymore. That's, it, you don't die from it. Stronger. But I kind of had this like thing where I like, I was just unwholesome talk. And it wasn't just necessarily swear words, it was like topical, and, and it became an issue to where it kind of became like a tail that would follow me around. And I, I struggled with it because I, I kind of recognized that there was like this, this thing that I was just comfortable doing or comfortable like saying or comfortable speaking. And it wasn't necessarily reflective of the way my heart was. And what I really needed to experience was victory in it. I needed it to go away. I would call it a sin issue. And it needed to disappear. And frankly, I do celebrate that in my own life so that that thing went away. Now, does that mean that it doesn't happen every now and again? I mean... It does occasionally, but the thing that was there went away. There was victory over that. And I don't forget that. And I'm reminded of that. And I, and I have great joy that God delivered me or gave me victory over that sort of thing. He provided a, a, 
a, a channel for which I walked through and was able to go, God did that in my life. Because clearly I couldn't do it on my own strength. And this is what the psalmist is saying again. He says, restore our fortunes, renew the stream of desert, plant tears. And here's the issue, harvest. There's a harvest of joy that happens when God brings you through some sort of struggle into victory. And it could be all sorts of situations. It could be all sorts, it could be battles with cancer. This is a, there's a battle that's happening and you come through on the other side. And there's a victory there. It could be a hardened heart to where you're so angry and mad about something and you don't even know why. And God breaks that and brings you through that channel to where you can say, I'm going to harvest in joy now. I'm going to live in joy because I remember the victory, the joy of the victory, the spiritual victory that God had in my life because he took me to the other side. He brought me out of Egypt into the promised land. And we can use that as simple as little things like swearing. God, I was a slave to this garbage in my life, and God rescued me from it because I surrendered to him, and he brought me in. And so many times, the joy of our spiritual victories are forgotten. And they need to be reminded. That's why I think it's so important for churches to continue to tell the story. And it doesn't always have to be a sin issue. Sometimes it could just be a struggle or emotional hurt or like wounds or like, like a, a tender spot to where you need God to, to, to bring about healing in your life. And we've done that here in this church together at times, where God's brought healing for us. And we've walked through it, and we need to celebrate that victory and joy. And it's amazing when that happens. When we remember those things, we get, we get excited about what God's doing in our life. Two more, and then I have, I'm going to land the plane. So the other thing is it, the joy of Christian fellowship. Now, there's a, a group of us here or this church where you just love being together. Some of that's because you're related, but also that does create conflict too because sometimes you don't want to be together because you are related. And so, but the idea here is that there's this fellowship that happens with God's people. Have you ever stepped into a church in another location and you've like, you've worshiped and participated and just enjoyed the fellowship of other believers? That's the experience. As God's people, we should be able to walk into to gospel preaching, Jesus-loving churches, and enjoy the fellowship. Because this is an experience, I think, that, that most followers of Christ actually don't have. They, like, they go to their church, and then when they, like for us, when we have Sundays off and we're on vacation, we don't go to church. Which is sometimes really foolish of us. Because we're missing out on the joy of Christian fellowship of stepping into another place. That's why I, I love virtual church. I love all the people watching online. But then nothing will beat this. Ever. Nothing will ever beat this. Now we have new technologies and, and ways to connect with people in further places and to give them a taste of what's going on in our space. But real, true Christian fellowship is a gathering of the saints, which is never going to end. It's never going to end. That's the purpose the church continues to gather everywhere in the world. And we need to continue to have joy and experience that. The last thing is the joy, and I'm going to talk about this more and more and more in the coming months, the joy of a new work. The joy of our salvation, the joy of spiritual victory, the joy of Christian fellowship, and the joy of a new work. Now, what's a new work? You know, how, you know what happens to a church? When you say, we're going to launch out and do something new. We're going to plant a church. 
We're going to plant five churches. You know what? We're going to start a, we're going to start a, a ministry to this neighborhood. And we're going we're gonna to reach a thousand people for Jesus in the next ten years. The joy that we should have by starting new work, that's a thing that the Christian people, God's people need to experience. We are going to plant a church. This church will plant churches. I know where we're going to plant them. And it's going to be fun. And you're going to love it. <laughs> you're like, how are we going to do that? There's only 140 of us. We're going to do it. And we're going to, there, it's going to create this excitement towards what God is doing in our own life to where we stretch ourselves more and more and more to say, what is God going to do through us? That's the joy of a new work. What can God do through our kids' ministry, our student ministry, through this particular church? Anybody, anybody want to know where we're going to plant churches? Anybody curious? Do you want me to tell you? Should I tell them, John? We're going to put a church in Glen Rock. You're like, well, that's, that's 20 minutes away. Well, we already have people that drive here from Glen Rock. And we're going to build a team, and we're going to put a church in Glen Rock. A gospel-centered, exciting, passionate Jesus church. And people will drive from 20 minutes away in Douglas to show up there. We're going to put a church in Laramie. This district has fought hard to get a church in Laramie. It's going to get birthed out of this place. When? I don't know, but it's going. And we're going to do it. Is it going to happen next week? Probably not. But if it did, that'd be pretty amazing. We'd get excited about it. But the idea here is God doing things through the church, the joy of a new work. That's exciting. Now let's take it down to a, a micro. That's a macro view, right? Micro view of a, of a new work. Let's talk about discipleship. See, the, the spiritual victories in your life, those are, those are micro new works in your heart and in your life. That's maybe, maybe starting a small group ministry at Casper Alliance Church that begins to connect newer people to the, to the core church. Maybe, we're, maybe we have some people who are passionate about teaching classes who've never stepped out and actually taught a discipleship class here or led something here, and they're going to go, well, even better, we're going to send some people overseas to connect with some of our missionaries in this church. We've never done that before. That's a micro new work. It's a new thing that we're doing. That's not this big, massive, hey, we're going to build a new church somewhere, but we're going to continue to do new things because God is moving with us. This is new work, and we need to be excited about that. Now, why does all this matter? Because when joy is continually stirred up inside of us, we continue to take the steps forward towards him. One of our core values here at Casper Alliance Church for us, is we expect more. Joy is exactly where that sits. When you have a joy-filled experience in Christ, you expect God to continue to do more. More in your life, more in the community, more in your neighborhood, more in your family. Now, the more isn't like a health and wealth thing. The more is God moving me closer to him and, and stirring up new things, new believers, new families that live next door that you introduce to Jesus and you disciple them as you walk with them and you invite them to your table and you share a meal with them and you teach them all that they should know about Christ. Those are, that's expecting God to do things and that's, that's rooted in joy. 
Because when we're excited about our faith, when we're living in laughter, when we're, when we're running towards Jesus, we continue to sing, restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. This dry place turn into an oasis. This dry land make fresh for your harvest. We recently traveled to, um, some people would say the motherland, Nebraska. <laughs> I mean... It was in the 90s when football was cool there. Now it's just kind of a toxic wasteland. I'm just kidding. But when you, <laughs> that's where my family lives. But when you drive, it's really interesting. When you cross over the border, and I was just talking to somebody about this. When you cross over from Wyoming uh, into Nebraska, like what's that town right there? Torrington? Is it Torrington that's right there? When you cross over in Torrington, the ground is like kind of, like not by the river, but it's kind of brown and hilly and stuff. And then you move into Nebraska, right? And, and the ground, the grass is green everywhere, and there's crops everywhere, and it's like this fertile land. Little do they know, do you guys, maybe you do know this, they're sucking all the water out of the Platte River. I did not know the Platte River looked the way it does here. It, I thought it was a sandbar, by the way, growing up, because that's what it is in Nebraska. It's a sandbar. You can actually, you can walk across the Platte River any location. There's no, none of it rages. None of it rages and, and potentially produces divorce like it did in Adrienne and I's life. As the, remember that story? The wind was pushing us the opposite direction of the current, and we were hitting each other with paddles because we are so angry at one another. That's not the Platte River to me. The Platte River is just a beach. But it's interesting what, what it does to the land. When you take all the water out of it and you begin, to, you begin to water it, it grows things. Now, maybe it's short-sighted of, of Nebraska. They're like, we could have fishing here, but we don't because they take all their water for crops. But it does produce this harvest because it's, the soil is, is, is turned from high plains desert to this thing that you can grow stuff in. Joy does that to the soul. It takes the desert of the soul and makes it fertile so that things can grow and so that you can grow. So one of the questions I had for myself is, um, and I, I hear this occasionally. Is you ask spiritually, you ask, why am I not growing? Why am I not growing spiritually? There's lots of anecdotal things that we could say about it. There's lots of things that we could say. Well, are you plugged in here? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? And like, are you following this to-do list? I would say the first thing is is that we have dry desert land in our soul, and it needs. To be watered. It needs to be turned over. And I think that joy is where that starts. Joy is the place that does water the land inside of us. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 21. Whoa! When you have joy, and this is uh, from our book that we kind of have framed this series on, and Eugene Peterson says this, when you have joy, you anticipate God's activities in your life. You anticipate what God will do. 
Joy is the thing that, that helps you to think forward to God's work. Again, going back to the farmer, they plant the ground expecting something to happen. They don't just plant the ground and walk away. It has to be nurtured and cared for and, and, and watered and thought through and, I mean, betasseled and rogued like I did as a kid. But it has to be nurtured. And so many times we just, we hope that something happens. Again, this leans to one of our other points or one of our values here at this church is we value hard work. We value doing the work. We don't expect it just to happen. You have to take some steps forward. But are you anticipating God doing something in your life? What was the text I said? I wrote it down and then I walked away. I'm a buffoon. Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Listen to this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven, and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city and new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. In the life of the follower of Jesus, I think one of the things we are competing against is that we have this emotion that drives us to where we're, we're always thinking about the hard times, the tough times, the weak times, the time where we're, we're sorrowful, and the time where we're crying, or there's pain, or there's death in our life, and there's things that we've lost, and it, and it battles against this joy. And what I want to argue against or say today is that joy is not in competition with those things. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Love Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Joy is a thing that God's people have regardless of circumstance. Even John's writing to the church that all of this stuff that we're fighting against every day, death, sorrow, pain, tears, is going to go away, reminding them to have joy. Because it is a reality that we got to battle against. There are things that are warring against our soul. There's this heaviness that we experience as we walk on this terrestrial ball, as I've said multiple times. But joy is not a thing that's in competition with anything of this earth. Joy is a right that the people of God have as spirit-filled followers of Jesus. It is the thing that we, are, we do not get to live without. It's the thing that we don't get to ignore. It's something that's a seed inside of us. If you love Jesus and the Spirit of God is in you, which are synonymous with each other, you have joy. Now, whether or not you want to quench it and push it down or say, I'm, gonna, I'm going to be the dog who pees on the carpet because I prefer the punishment over the praise, then that's your fault. And I want to help you. Because Jesus' people don't get the excuse of saying, I just don't have any joy. Joy is inside of the follower of Christ. Accessing it is complicated. Because we fill all of these things and create all of these barriers. And let's turn to the thing in Scripture, Hebrews 12, that I think is a good reminder for us. Hebrews 12, verse 1. 
And then we'll finish. And this is a, I think, a, a picture um, of that struggle. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, you know, put yourself in the story, which maybe we shouldn't do, but the church, the witnesses of Christ, consider you, I'm trying to help you with removing the barriers to joy, consider you surrounded by God's people, a cloud of witnesses of who Jesus is, cloud of witnesses of people who love Jesus, remembering their salvation, the joy of their salvation, remembering the joy of their victory in whatever it is, remembering the new works that God is doing in their life, remembering all of those things, speaking on that. You're surrounded by that group of witnesses talking to you, witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily trips us up, especially that time when we run inside and we pee and poop on the carpet. It's a trip. Let us throw that all aside and remember the witnesses who've experienced the joy of salvation, who've experienced the new work in Christ in people's lives, who've experienced all of the good things of Jesus, the, the fruit of the Spirit, the joy of the Lord. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates perfect and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding his shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Remember, Jesus went to the cross with joy so that you could live a life with joy. No more curmudgeon Christians. Now, let's not be pretend about it. We're not going to just laugh our way through life. Life's hard sometimes. But we remember the joy of our salvation. We remember the joy of the victories. We remember the joy of the new work that happens in our life regularly. We expect and anticipate God to move in us. Joy. As we pilgrim with the Lord, joy. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Give us a great Sunday afternoon. Help us to enjoy one another. Help us to expect and experience what you have for us as followers. We love you, Lord. In your son's name, amen. Have a great Sunday. Say hi to each other on the way out.